ESPN LA 17. Welcome to the experience. This is Laferne Cusack. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com and go to the podcast page. Uh, download some podcasts or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. Today, we're talking about our environment, what we can do. Folar brings back America's largest urban river cleanup. And I have the honor to be speaking with the executive director of Folar, Marissa Christensen. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Hi, Laverne. Tell us about Folar and how you got started. Sure. Uh, So Folar has been around for 30 years. It was started by Lewis McAdams um, in 1986. And uh, this year is actually our 28th cleanup. And when Lewis kicked this off 28 years ago, um, we had about a dozen volunteers show up, and, and today um, and, and throughout the rest of the, the month here, we're expecting uh, over 10,000 volunteers. Uh, so it's really sort of inspiring for me to see this uh, effort that we have grow and to see all of the community come out and take a responsibility for um, improving the, the health and enjoyment of this river. Yes, absolutely. I know a couple years ago they were talking about people going out and doing sports on the river and all of that. And um, I'm glad that it's like it's being revived and that people are actually taking part. You were out on the river cleaning up. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, I I was. Um, So I was at the Sepulveda Basin today um, with our board chair, MK uh, O'Connell and Assemblymember Nazarian. And we got down there in the river with all of our volunteers and helped to um, haul up a, a sofa up the, the side of the river and uh, wow. pick up a, a few bags of trash. So it was a really great experience. Um, and it seemed like everybody was really enjoying themselves and kind of uh, uh, making a difference for the environment. Yes. Um, I loved how you put that people are taking accountability and actively engaging um, how how is that engagement like? What is your outreach to bring in more volunteers to help with the river cleanup? Yeah, that's a really good question. And you know, I, we we definitely have a strong social media presence, which of course today that kind of is what makes the world go round. Yes. Um, but we also are so lucky to have such a strong network of partner organizations. We work with so many organizations, uh, so many corporate sponsors, other nonprofits and the like um, that all help to use their channels and their networks uh, to help spread the word. And so that really that really does aid us in casting a wider net. And I think that's why we've grown so much. Yeah, I got an email from one of the heads of ESPN um, talking about the river cleanup and if anyone wants to sign up. And right before that, I got an email from um, Julie talking about yet yeah, this and ha- what you guys are doing. I was like, okay, that's just really weird. Let me get them on the show. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, and that's, that's really our model. You know, you, you had started to mention kind of our, our advocacy and um, just like this cleanup, the work that we do sort of on the policy advocacy front um, is made successful because, you know, we sort of have friends and eyes and ears and interests everywhere. Um, and so when an issue comes up, whether it's cleaning the river or trying to get a new piece of legislation passed, um, we're lucky enough to be able to mobilize a lot of people who uh, really care. 
Let's talk about that mobilizing people that care because, you know, a lot of people right now are feeling, oh, they're energized to make a change. They're energized to be a part of our community and knowing that speaking up really makes a difference. Yeah. So we we kind of have a a range of activities. Um, I, I find that our cleanup is kind of the entry point for a lot of people to get involved with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, at that point they are considered, you know, a friend of the river. Um, and we like to keep everybody informed about kind of what exactly is going on in the river, um, who the players are, because there's a lot of different things and a lot of different conversations happening at any given time. Um, and so we'd like to, to keep, uh, our community informed and engaged so that when issues come up, you know, uh, when when a piece of land that could otherwise be open space next to the river is maybe slated for development, we like to mobilize the community around that. Um, when there's an important decision happening at um, the state level or even uh, at the local level with the city council, uh, we mobilize people around, around those sort of calls to action as well. Um, and we tend to get a pretty... Um, a pretty good turnout, and we tend to have a, a following that that really does care about knowing um, not just what's happening on the ground in their in their neighborhood about but about uh, exactly what you're saying and, and how they can make a difference. And and I think people are really hungry for um, some guidance and for some tangible action, um, uh, especially with what's happening kind of at the national level. And the advice that I always give to people is the biggest impact you can make is right here at home mm-hmm. in your own community by partnering with organizations that are doing the work locally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I talk about a lot is like being actively engaged in your local community um, on this local level makes a tremendous difference in what's happening. One, one person that is complaining about something or one person that may, uh, let's say somebody's complaining about a pothole and another person is calling, you know, your representative about the pothole instead of wondering, well, why is this pothole here? Okay, well, let's do something about it. And you guys are definitely doing that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you're actually, you're, you're absolutely right. And in this case, instead of it being about a pothole, it's about restoring the, uh, the sort of natural beauty um, and usability of a river. Can you talk about some of the things uh, that our listeners and our sports fans can do? I know we have the April 22nd cleanup, but as far as like what other ways can our listeners use the river to, you know, make it better or participate in activities? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's all sorts of things. So First and foremost, I would ask your listeners to go to folar.org and sign up for our newsletter so that you can stay informed and involved in everything that that we do from advocacy issues to recreation. Um, uh, We were uh, the group that co-authored the legislation with um, Senator Kevin DeLeon uh, that actually made this river um, usable and recreational uh, sort of by right. Uh, and so now, thanks to that, you see kayaks in the river. And this cleanup kicks off what is called the recreation season. Um, you know, it's the season when we expect the least rain, so when it's the safest to be in the river. Um, so you can do everything from bird watching to hiking, biking, kayaking, fishing. Um, it's, all, um, it's all allowed. It's all encouraged. 
and we have information on absolutely all of that on our website. Um, and as you mentioned, the next cleanup date coming up is um, April 22nd, Earth Day. So we really encourage everybody to, to get out for a day of service then. And um, our last day of the cleanup is uh, down in the lower river from Compton Creek down to Long Beach, and that's on April 29th. Marissa, you talked about your advocacy as well. You you know, you did LA County uh, Bicycle Coalition. What about that experience did you bring into to being an executive director for? I, I loved that job. I loved working with uh, the Bicycle Coalition. And the project that I worked on there was a seven-city bicycle master plan um, that looked at um, adding upwards of 200 new miles of bikeways throughout those seven cities. Now, of course, you can imagine it's a little complex when you're asking seven different municipalities to all agree on one um, policy document. Uh, really? So, oh, my goodness. <laughs> imagine that, right? Imagine that. Um, but I found, you know, a collaborative approach that had a lot of community input. Um, a lot of community voice, um, and and really bringing all of the different stakeholders together, community and elected officials, um, as well as uh, the municipal staff, bringing everybody together around the table early, often, and and repeated times, um, ended up with a a fabulous document that the entire community felt responsible for. Um, and excited about and like they had had a voice in it. Um, and so I really believe that getting anything done um, that has multiple stakeholders involved uh, really does require sort of a, a um, out front transparent process and a lot of collaboration. Um, and, and if you can pull something like that off when you get to the finish line, uh, you've got something that's, that's better than it would have been if, if you had if you had left any of those people out. Um, yes. And so I am hoping that that same kind of collaborative nature uh, is something that I can bring to, to Folar and to the river. Marissa, you just answered my next question because, it, you know, you see the things happening in politics now and, you know, people paying off people to get buildings put up and all of, all of this political stuff that, that happens for people that do not know how to get the change made. And you're like, how can this happen? But you, by pulling in people that have, and asking them, well, what do you need? And making them a part of the process, I think that helps a lot. Or um, like what you said, it, it it brings everyone in so that they are stakeholders. So it's not just you know, Marissa making this, you know, this plan, it's the whole community. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just like it was necessary to do with uh, bikeways when I was with the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition, it's, it's equally, if not more so necessary to do it with the river. Because after all, this river snakes through an enormous number of different communities that all have different needs, that all have different desires, and that all have a different relationship to the river. Um, so I think it'd be really difficult for any one person or any one group even, um, you know, including Folar, uh, to sort of dictate what should be. Uh, so I think one of the, the most important things that can happen on the river is, is consensus building and collaboration. 
Yes, and I think that's beautiful. And congratulations on all of your success. Um, I know every time, well, my son, his school is, we, we pass the river in the valley going to his school. And every time we pass it, he talks about it. He's like, what's going, what's that? Will I get swept up if I go down there? Like, and I'm trying to educate him on that. So maybe this April 22nd, we can come out. I could bring my son and you could get educated and help us, you know, clean up LA, clean up our river. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I really do see people's uh, perception of the river change almost instantaneously the second they come into actual contact with it. So bring them down. We'd love to see him and you. Thank you. Thank you. Marissa, what do you see for the next action or the next step for Forlar in the future? Like what's down the line for you? Uh, well, you know, I think we're at a really exciting time on the river. There are all sorts of new planning processes happening. Um, new projects that are being proposed, and um, FOLAR is going to be here to make sure that uh, the community's voice is represented in all of those things. Um, and we, we'd like to keep expanding our, our stewardship and education programs, uh, like the cleanup, um, like our River Rover that we bring into uh, schools and disadvantaged communities to sort of change people's relationship to the river. Um, so we're, we're just going to be here to continue to, to build this constituency for change and environmental stewardship. Well, thank you so much. You are, you guys are doing such a wonderful job and I know we didn't have a lot of time here, but I hope that you come back on the show and share what you guys are doing with the Los Angeles river and making it, uh, publicly accessible and ecologically vibrant for all of us here in Los Angeles. Absolutely. Anytime, LaFern. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Marissa Christensen, Executive Director of FOLAR. For more information, please log on to folar.org for more information and definitely check out April 22nd, Mid River Cleanup, and April 29th, the Lower River Cleanup. And um, hopefully, we'll see you there. I'm LaFern Cusack. This is ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710. Hey, thank you for joining us here on ESPN LA. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com to download podcasts or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. We're continuing our conversation about our environment. Recycle, reward, renew your closet. We have with us today to talk about all of that. And I'm so happy to talk about, you know, reusing all of your sports clothing, your gym clothes. Jennifer Gilbert, she's the chief marketing officer of I Collect USA. And for more information, you can go to ico-spirit.com. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Well, hi. Thanks so much for having me. Nice to be here. ICO, I Collect USA, you guys are doing a lot of great work and you're taking clothes and helping our community purchase clothes. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, ICO has actually been here in the States for about six years. We started in Europe and we're a, we are a provider for apparel and footwear collection, reuse and recycling. And 
what that means is we have these take back programs and we work with some of the largest brands in the world to take on product responsibility because, you know, we wear, you know, all of our clothing, you know, whether we like, don't like it within a week because we grew out of it or because our kids, you know, just blew through the knees. Um, We, you know, we don't, we sometimes know what to do with it, but a lot of us are throwing it in the trash. It's just easier to do that. And that's become a huge problem, not only here in the States, but around the world. I mean, there's billions of pounds of unwanted clothing, shoes and other textiles going to landfill and what that's doing is really causing a lot of um, the stuff decaying in our landfills and that's causing greenhouse gases and really hurting our environment and most people don't know that Um, and all the resources that went into making that t-shirt or pair of pants are being wasted by just being tossed so ICO has been really great in talking to retailers and brands to say hey you know, you sell us all of this, these goods take on some product responsibility and why don't you take it back and help the consumer do the right thing and educate them. And so like our big brand partners from H&M to North Face to Levi's Forever 21 have been really great and saying, all right, take your stuff back. We'll provide you a discount as a nice thank you. And then ICO takes them from there. Um, And what we do actually is collect from all these partners, bring it into sorting facilities around the world, and we're very, very conscious of what its next best use is. So it is sorted by hand primarily into over 350 categories. And we file a waste hierarchy of the best thing to do is to have it reworn. Because again, all the energy that went into that, and and the side note, um, one t-shirt takes almost 700 gallons of water to manufacture it from growing the cotton to creating it. So just tossing that just makes me, you know, when I first heard that, I went, Oh my gosh, I'm never tossing a t-shirt again. (laughs) Even, you know, even if it's usable, I'm going to break it in, you know, make it into a rag. I got to do something. Exactly. um, But the best thing is to find another home for it. So um, the first thing is we separate it out as whatever is rewearable and that is resold around the world. And second part is, Hey, let's look at it. Is it reusable? Meaning it, it's absorbent, so we can cut that into pieces, and it turns into a cleaning cloth, and those are packaged up and, you know, sold to the industry, you know, a lot of the automotive industry and the paint industry. And there's a lot of designers who want pieces and parts now um, to create their own collections. But the interesting stuff is now getting into what you can't do with it any longer, and is it truly recyclable? And probably over the last 15 years, um, Certain products that have like 100% cotton, 100% wool can actually be pulled back into a fiber, and that's mm. being turned primarily into insulation products. So oh, wow. like Levi's, Levi's headquarters, all their building is filled with denim insulation. Um, it's made into carpet padding. Um, it's put into stuffing for you know upholstery um, for for toys, and wow. so it's great because it's you know creating new industry. Um, extending the life. Uh, the issue with that, though, ultimately is when that um, that building's torn down or the, the car that's got the insulation and other upholstery stuffing, you know, that does ultimately go to landfill um, because it was never designed for reuse in the beginning. But the big, big challenge, but also innovation, is to be able to re-spin it 
and combine it with more the virgin cotton, organic cotton, so that it can be turned right back into clothing. Wow. And that is, that's Ico's aim. And that's called closing the loop or circular economy. Yes. But it's, you know, it's, it's really where the whole world needs to, to go. And it's not just in the fashion industry, it's in all yes. industries. So that items can be reprocessed and reused again and again. And, um, but it takes a lot of education, you know. It does. Um, you know, I mean, 95% of what's going to landfill for textiles can be reused or recycled. So we should just all start learning, just find other ways, you know, to to extend their lives. Right. And so you guys, have, you guys have uh, partnered with Westfield um, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, have an Earth Day on April 22nd, and they're launching refashion the future and again it's the recycling program tell us about that yeah we're really excited about this partnership because as i mentioned before our big focus rico has been with the big brands to take on responsibility now we are taking on going to this amazing premier shopping experience at westfield um and on yeah, April 22nd for Earth Day, nine of their flagship properties around the United States are going to start refashioning the future. So you and I can bring our unwanted clothing and shoes, as long as they're clean and dry, and bring them to Westfield, whether to the concierge or the participating retailers, and you will receive this recycling card, and they'll give you discounts to all the participating retailers in that shopping center for the day. So it's saying thank you, but it's also a, a big movement to really help on a local level. You know, it's, I mean, I kind of look at it as a hyper local mm-hmm. level and mass change because we all go to, you know, shopping centers and yeah. um, it really allows every one of us to easily, really easily and convenient, do the right thing. And then ICO takes it on from there um, and goes through the process that I mentioned before. So, you know, Westfield is really the first shopping center that we're doing this with and we're really excited about it because they are amazing promoting it and really supporting the community because it's very important to all of us. Yes, absolutely. And so with this, uh, with this outreach and the, all the stuff that you guys are doing with Westfield, you guys are donating to a very special nonprofit, the glamforgood.org. How did you um, hook up with them? So, yeah, how, we actually pay Westfield for all the pounds that they collect. And then in return, they're going to give all the proceeds to Glam for Good. So Westfield actually did a lot of research to choose the right nonprofit. Um, and Glam for Good is a nonprofit that was founded by Mary Alice Stevenson. So she's a fashion and, and beauty expert and speaks a lot um, around the country. And mm-hmm. this nonprofit is all about life-changing educational experiences and clothing giveaways and confidence bolstering fashion and beauty initiatives. So they have, they go to hospitals and help patients, you know, feel better about themselves, whether it's Mm -hmm. beauty related or, you know, fashion related. Um, They choose heroes uh, to do makeovers with. Um, It's an amazing organization that I think they've distributed like thousands of clothing accessories to over 20,000 women and girls and families um, empowering them. So we're, we're really thrilled that, Westfield chose 
best charity to give the proceeds to. And uh, and we could go to the Westfield malls in Topanga, Century City, Santa Anita, and they all exactly. go to help this organization. Exactly. Exactly. Jennifer, we exactly. talked, uh, you talked about how, you know, the changing the minds of people about recycling and, you know, clothing and, you know, the full circle. Um, can you talk about some of the ways that you try to, or the strategies you do, you use to open up the minds of people to recycle or to change their thought about how you process your products? Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's, it's, it just goes back to education, right? Um, and we work with all of the brands to give that message to their customer base. So whether it's events, you know, where people come to learn more and actually do reuse projects, mm-hmm. you know, bring your t-shirt in and guess what, that you can turn that into a bag because again, reusing as much as possible is important. Um, so whether it's events like that or just outreach as much as possible. Um, and I personally go to schools because I believe you know, those in elementary school, middle school, my son's 13, you know, it's a big reason why I love and am passionate about my job. Or yes. My, it's, I don't even think it's a job, you know, it's not a job, it's oh. my career. This is my mission. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, awesome. A, yes. You know, it's a whole change in your life when you find a passion like this and, you know, really making a difference on our world for, and I know you have a child. It's, it's Yes it takes you to a whole different level. So me going out and being able to talk to schools about this and, and, you know, they just get so excited because it's actually careers for them in the future as well. You know, um, getting involved in being more environmentally conscious and then they go back and tell mom and dad. Yes. So yes, perfect. It's perfect. I was, I always love telling the story when my son, um, came, I came home one day and he was separating out his shoes and I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm giving these to my cousin, you know, oh. and then I'm keeping these and I'm giving these to Ico. Oh, wow. <laughs> my whole heart went, oh my gosh, he's actually listening to what I do. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and as his friends do the same. So I think, you know, in the younger generation, I mean, and we go out and educate as much as we can. Um, but I really love working with our partners because I feel it's something we're like the Intel inside. Right. Um, right. For, for Westfield, for H&M's, for, you know, Levi's, because it's really them being good stewards of the message and uh, really trying to close the loop. I mean, for example, with H&M, they've actually started creating product from used clothing. So they have a line of denim, as I said earlier, you know, it's a small percentage of what can be recycled back into clothing, but they have a line of denim made from 20% consumer, um, you know, old denim. Mm-hmm. And taking it and turning it back into clothing. So I love educating our partners and their supply chain to really make this massive, you know, change in our world to create a sustainable fashion future. Yeah. So, so ICO is the leader in the world of clothing and recycling. Do you see a difference in the thought process of recycling clothing from here to, say, China or, you know, Germany or anywhere else? Well, Europe is definitely far ahead of the United States in terms of recycling. Um, ECO started in Europe um, and just in general, bottles, cans, everything else are just further along in 
you know, been here in the States. So it's more difficult here mm-hmm. to get the message across. Um, but there are more conscious consumers all over the world, and there's definitely a bigger movement happening in the United States. So it makes things a tiny bit easier. But, uh, yeah, around the world, it's you, the U.K. is extremely strong in, in textile recycling. Yeah. is doing the right thing. You know, you go to the developing countries, it's difficult. You know, they don't even have the infrastructure for, you know, general recycling. So right. um, we are around the world getting the message. And again, that's, you know, through partners because their stores are everywhere um, and getting that message. So, but lots of work to do here in the States. Yes. The it's here in the States, I mean, the EPA does a report every few years um, looking at kind of the waste that's happening. And 15 to 16% is what's being truly collected um, in terms of textiles. And they deem that as clothing and shoes um, and include sheets and towels and all that. So 15% is, I found, extremely low when I started learning about this. Mm-hmm. Because you ask people, I said, oh, no, I never throw anything away. And so you really start thinking, oh, that pair of shoes? It's really right. beat up. I can't really bring it anywhere because they don't, they can't resell it. So I toss it. And that's right. wrong because you know, a shoe can have up to 40 different components in it. Think about it. <laughs> big yeah. shoe. That's going to sit in our landfill forever, you know? Oh, so my find, goodness. Find right. a way to reuse it, you know? Um, and there is, there is limited recycling for shoes. Shoes are very difficult to recycle. So, you know, it, they, athletic shoes can be, you know, the rubber can be brought down into a pellet. Mm-hmm. And that's being made into, you know, the cushy stuff at uh, playground courts mm-hmm. or running track and things like that. Um, but the bigger innovations are really happening on the clothing side uh, to, to really find recycling methods that can really turn it back into clothing. But a lot of like sports gear and, you know, like aerobic and yoga gear and all the all the things that we use to work out in that we, we're like, OK, well, you know. I'm moving on to another, another, uh, another mm-hmm. set of stuff. We can bring them in again this Earth Day next weekend, April 22nd, to any of the Westfield malls in Topanga, Century City, Santa Anita, and yep. and we could yep. get a discount on other clothes, buying other clothes. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, to the partners, you'll be able to. Depends on the particular mall who's there, but. Um, H&M and Abercrombie and Finch and Cotton On and, and Topanga, there'll be Target accepting it. So it's, uh, yeah, and, and a lot of the partners are also going to be doing this for the full year. Um, and that's something that's important, too, that it's not just about Earth Day mm-hmm. and then it goes away. Because in order for us to take you know, the EPA is at 28 you know, billion pounds that we're tossing a year, in order wow. to stop that from happening – you know, it needs to be a year round. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I, I get it. I mean, we're, we're so busy in our lives, you know, that that bag of clothes sits in the back of our trunk or by our front door for a while. So um, it needs to be a reminder message and just start changing the way we all, you know, look at our textiles. So it, it's Absolutely. important that, that this will be at these Westfield locations to the end of the year and hopefully beyond that. Fantastic. So it really makes an impact. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I love what you're doing, and I look forward. We have so many T-shirts in our closet that (laughs) we never wear (laughs) that we can bring to any of these locations. So, Jennifer, it's such a pleasure to speak with you. And we can log on to westfield.com backslash refashion for more information. Is that correct? Yep. That's about the program. Yeah. And then this further about ICO is ico-spirit.com. And then Glam for Good, too, to learn about them is G-L-A-M, the number four, good.org. And just, I, I really hope everyone can come out for Earth Day and beyond. Again, never, never toss anything. Know that there's kind of a new life for it. Yes. Find a world. new life. Recycle, reuse, repurpose. Uh, Miss Jennifer Gilbert, Chief Marketing Officer of iCollect USA Inc. Ico uh, dot sorry Ico dash Spirit dot com for more information. Jennifer, it's such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you too. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. You too. This is ESPN LA. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com. Or uh, check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. Thanks again for checking us out. See you next week here on The Experience. ESPN LA 710.